right, what's going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. How the hell are you, my peeps, my sports betting peeps? How we doing on a Thursday? Today is the 13th, October 13, 2022. What's going on out there? How is your week so far? I'll tell you what, I'm riding a little cold streak. I am a little chilly right now. We're starting the NHL season not on the best note. And it's funny, we talked about this before. The way my seasons work, the way I do things, I typically start off very fast. And then as the season goes on, it normalizes. And by the end of the year, I don't have as much value as I did at the beginning. Most professionals work the other way around. Most people need data, need the data points. And then once they start to get an idea of the teams, then they start to bet a lot of money. For me, it's just about the prep, getting ready for the teams, looking at uh, quantifying the changes, whether it's coaching changes, roster changes, you know, or anything else that may apply. So um, definitely a slow start for me personally in the NHL, but you know, that doesn't, I'm happy with my approach. I'm happy with it, how things are going. I think I've actually only given out one game so far on the podcast. So don't worry tomorrow on Saturday, uh, Saturday on the quick picks and uh, Sunday on the quick picks. We'll definitely have some NHL for this weekend. So, uh, you know, that's how it's going to go. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. Part of being a professional better is knowing that the losses are actually an integral part of being a better, right? People don't want to lose. People just think that it's, it's, uh, you know, this whole, you go five and four, you don't go through losing streaks, but everyone out there, whether it's Billy Walters or, you know, if you just got going, everyone experiences winning streaks and losing streaks. So it's just about getting through those and making sure your handicapping process doesn't become affected in the process. So right, uh, I've got a few things for today's show. I've just got a couple notes for my thoughts on uh, like NFL contests, just a couple notes for, for sports betting. And then we'll talk about some red flags for touts, for people selling picks, for people on Twitter. Have some things for everyone to watch for. Remember, if you want to start betting VIG free, go to betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. You can bet the same games that we talk about on here, but you get rid of the VIG, okay? So if, if you understand the way that, which we talk about all the time, that the minus 110 works, if you get rid of the minus 110, you're essentially betting risk-free. It's so worth it. It's so, so fun. If you just got into betting, you don't really want that huge risk profile with some of these games you're betting. So uh, check out Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Put in promo code SBD for a free 20 bucks. You don't even have to deposit. They'll just give you a free $20 if you put in promo code SBD. All right, so let's get to it. Um, first note for today, I actually want to talk about some contests. I'm in a few NFL contests. And believe it or not, it's getting to that time of the year where it's starting to get whittled down. Now, whether you're in a survivor contest or a super contest, there's different ways you want to approach this. So the survivor contest is what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Um, the difference between the two, survivor NFL contests, you pick one team every week that that you just pick to win. No against the spread, no, no uh, point spreads or anything like that. Just the winner, the outright winner. And the caveat is you can't pick the same team twice. And so these are really popular, but they get whittled down fast. The one that I'm currently in, it started with 17,000 people. It's down to just over 1,000. So we'll talk about that in a second, but let's start off with the super contest. The super contest or super contest like uh, uh, events and contests, it's where you pick five games every week against the spread. And those, in my opinion, are just a lot more difficult to win. Now, in terms of of overlay and the amount of people who enter, mathematically, it may actually be worth it to enter those contests because the overlay would make it worth it. But if you think about it, the people who win those contests, whether it's season long, uh, 
you know, NFL or even NHL or college football, whatever it is, any sport. If you do a season-long contest with that many people, with thousands of people, based on the laws of math, you know that there's going to be some people out there who go like 65-70%. So unless you think you're going to go 65-70%, which as we've talked about before, probably not realistic because you're you're picking five games a week in the NFL. So unless you're going to go like, unless you're going to have a lucky year, you're, you shouldn't enter those contests. And I know that sounds sort of weird, but... You have to be lucky to win those contests. Now, are, do you have a better chance of being lucky if you're good? Of course you do, right? Or do the professionals have a better chance of being lucky than some random person who enters? Of course, that's why they enter those contests. But we've talked about this before, so I'm going to make this brief. But it's the same idea of if you have a whole bunch of people flipping quarters, okay? The more people you add to any event, the more you expect unlikely things to happen. And so if there was a super contest, where five people entered, this wouldn't be a problem. The problem becomes when there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of people who enter these contests. So back to the example, and again, we'll make this brief because we've talked about this before on the show, but if you have a million people and you give them all a quarter, someone is gonna flip, I forget what it is, it's like you know 20 heads in a row because everyone, all million people flip, and then theoretically, 500,000 will flip heads, 500,000 will flip tails, and you say, okay, everyone who's flipped heads, you're still alive, everyone who flips tails, leave. And so they keep flipping. There's gonna be a couple people who have flipped heads you know, 15, 20 times in a row. And if you go talk to those people at the end of the experiment, they may say, oh, well, I always pick heads, right? Or tails always fails, or, or you know, oh, today's my lucky day. I ate my lucky cereal this morning. Whatever it is, right? Not understanding that mathematically, we expected it to, to, to happen. Now, we didn't know who it was going to happen to. So that's where the luck comes in. But it was going to happen to someone. So those people who it happened to, they may feel lucky. They may feel special. But mathematically, talking about the laws of mathematics, we knew it was expected to happen, right? So that's, that's what I mean by the laws of math. The bigger the number gets for any event, the more likely, unlikely things are to happen. So for, this, for these contests where you pick five games against the spread each week, the winner at the end of the season is going to pick like 70% winners. That's not because there are 70% better. It's because someone had to with all these people and the amount of luck that goes in someone's going to go five and zero, five and zero, four and one, four and one in their NFL picks. But if you're just betting yourself and you go fifty eight percent in the NFL, that is extraordinarily profitable. That's very, very good. That's what any pro would would love to have. But these contests are a little different. So that's how the super contest works. Okay, the the, the layover, which the layover is just the amount of money they're they're guaranteeing to give away and the amount of people who've, who've entered. It, it makes it worth it. But in general, I think those are to be avoided from the average person unless you're just going to have a lucky, lucky season. What I prefer for the average sports fan and for the average person out there is the Survivor Contest. A, the rules are a little bit easier to understand. B, you don't need to get nearly as lucky. And C, there's different ways to approach it if you understand game theory or you're, you're willing to study game theory a little bit. Now, before we get into the game theory thing, I do want to say this. We mentioned game theory on this show. Other shows kind of throw around the idea of game theory. And it's all pretty hysterical because game theory is so advanced and so complex. I mean, both at DU and MIT, I studied a little bit of game theory, you know, just just as a part of the curriculum. 
and, and you know you can just skim the surface at both those places unless you take specific courses for game theory it is so deep it is so I mean, it's so nuanced there's so much going on with the idea of game theory so people go well you know game theory says you're supposed to do x y and z it's like well not really you know it's, it's it always gets dumbed down and boiled down for the masses on podcasts or shows uh, like this one so I wanted to put that out there and clarify for anyone who's really up to date or knows a lot about game theory. I'm not trying to dumb it down or boil it down to one single idea here. I'm just trying to let everyone know that there's different ways to look at contests. So with the survivor contest, the the idea is simple, right? You survive in advance, but it's not as simple if you want to win the contest at the end of the year. And if you ask most people, okay, of the 17,000 people who entered my uh, survivor contest, which is on mybookie.com, I bet if you asked every person, they would say, you know, what's your goal? They'd say to survive. Each week, I want to survive. When really the goal should be to win the thing. And it's two different questions. If you just want to survive each week, you approach the the survivor contest by picking teams like Buffalo, Kansas City. You know, you pick good teams in good spots. But that's why 16,000 out of 17,000 people are gone because good teams don't always win. You know, if you're just going to pick the the highest margin against a spread each week, it's not a great way to go about it because if something goes wrong, well, now a whole bunch of people are being taken out of the contest. That's why I don't approach it like that. I look at the survivor contest and say, okay, how am I there at the end of the season with a chance to win this thing? My first couple picks of the year were the Detroit Lions week one when they played Washington. Uh, and then I had the Washington Commanders the second week. I forget who they played, right? You're burning teams who you don't want again, teams who will likely not be favored again. Great example. The LA Rams coming up this week are like eight, nine, 10 point favorites. This may be the last time LA is favored this much all season long. So likely I will have LA in at least one of my uh, survivor picks. I've got three total. All three are still alive. So that's the idea. Is it? Do, is it? Do you want to survive, or do you want to be there at the end of the season with a chance to win? And if you want to be there at the season at the end of the year with a chance to win, you are actually lowering your chances to win on a week by week basis because you're not giving yourself the opportunity to quote unquote burn teams like Buffalo or Kansas City. So. The one thing that I hear is, okay, well, when should game theory become the main objective? When do we go from surviving to game theory? And my answer to that would be, it depends on what kind of a contest you're in, and it depends on how many other sharp people are in that contest. If you're in with a bunch of dummies, like I think I might be on this, you know, uh, my bookie one, game theory is actually not as important because it's going to be all over the board, right? If you can predict and correctly predict what your opponents are going to do, well then game theory becomes a more applicable answer. But it's like playing poker. If you got a poker if you got a table with six professional poker players, there's a lot of people out there who would argue that's actually and let's be careful here with the word easier, but a more predictable uh, setting. Right? If you get a whole bunch of fish, a whole bunch of chumps who don't know how to play poker and they're playing bad hands and making you know, calls and raises that don't make sense, that can throw off even the best poker player. It's the same thing here. When you're in a contest with this many people, 70,000 people, and you don't think it's going to be that sharp of a field, game theory matters less and less because what they're going to do, them being the other players, is more and more unpredictable. Now, if you're in like the Circa 
super contest or the sur or excuse me the circus survivors or like any like respectable survivor contest in vegas or or any offshore book something like that it may be different you may want to use game theory more which means avoid the favorites try and pick those little hidden gems that are going to win but have a higher chance of losing each week because that increases your chances of being there and it increases the chances that the more people around you are going to get knocked out well, without that many sharp people making sharp decisions, it becomes more random. So you're actually going to hurt yourself implementing game theory the less sharp the people are around you. So that's my one answer to people who ask, when do I start trying to survive to picking the, the you know, worrying about what everyone else around me is picking? And my answer is just that, that if, if there's smart, sharp people in the contest, worry about it early on. If there's not, you can probably go half the season just trying to survive and then think about it later on. So... That is my thoughts on the contest. And before we get out of here today, I just have a couple things in terms of red flags on Twitter. Uh, we talked before about red flags, people you don't want to buy picks from. And I generally don't recommend buying picks from anyone because the amount you have to win usually digs into what you have to pay for the picks in the first place. But I've got a couple red flags here for things you want to look for on uh, Twitter. The first thing, and, and these may seem benign, these may not seem like a huge deal, but that's why we're bringing these up is because you may read these some places and I want you to start being skeptical when you read these things instead of going, oh, okay, that's normal. Uh, the first thing is handicappers who specify how many units they bet. Okay, there's a lot of handicap, uh, handicappers out there who say, uh, you know, uh, on their like Twitter bio, it'll say, you know, free plays every day. Here's our VIP package, which is hysterical. Um, all plays are one to three units. Okay, that's what I'm talking about here. All plays are in between one and five units. That right there screams an amateur, someone who thinks there needs to be these rules. What I think happens is young people, especially, get into this, get into the world of sports betting, and they just copy. They see other people say things, and they think it sounds good. They think it makes them look better, when in reality, it actually doesn't for people who know what they're talking about. It's like the 60% winners thing, right? Most people, when they get into sports betting, think the higher the winning percentage, the better. When really, if you ask a professional or someone who's been doing this for a while and understands the nuances of how the market works and how to capitalize on the market, if you go 60%, what that means is you're not betting enough games. Okay, and this is assuming that you're betting minus 110 sports, like like uh, you know the NBA or the NFL. But if you're betting into minus 110 games and you say you're 60%, a lot of people advertise that as a good thing. That's actually a bad thing. And the reason is because you're not maximizing your return. You're betting far too few games. Your volume is way too low, right? Would you rather be six and 10, AKA 60%, or would you rather be 55 and 45 over the course of 100 games? The answer is you'd rather be 55 and 45 because you're actually gonna make more money over the long run. The more, the more volume you have, the closer you can get to 55%, the better it is. You're maximizing your value, right? A lot of people out there go, oh, we're 80%. It's like you're 80%. Do you know how much fucking profit or potential earnings you're leaving on the table by not betting all the 75% and 70% and 65% and 60% games? You're telling me if you're an 80% better, that means you're leaving every 65% bet on the table. You'd have a lower a lower winning percentage, but your profit margin and your, and your ROI goes up, right? People don't get, these are the nuanced things that people new to sports betting just don't understand. And it's the same thing here with the, well, you bet one to four units. It just makes you look like a moron. I mean, 
it makes you look like you don't know what you're talking about. And I say that because if you're gonna constrain yourself to one in three units, what if there's a bet out there, which I recommend Kelly Criterion for a starting point if you wanna get advanced with your bet size. It's called the Kelly Criterion, it's a simple formula. But what if a bet out there, like, like LeBron James against me, okay? If LeBron James played me one-on-one -on -one in basketball, why would you ever limit yourself to a five-unit bet? Well, it's as high as we go. It's our max bet. It's like you should put every penny in your bank account on that on that game, right? Or at least uh, maybe 95% or whatever Kelly Criterion or, or a good system would advise. When you say, we bet between one and three units, all I think is, why the hell would you artificially cap yourself at three units or even one unit? What's wrong with a half-unit bet? Right, so that that is the one of the first things that I see that just makes me laugh and makes me go, okay, they, they don't know what they're, what they're talking about. No one would artificially cap themselves at a couple units or three or four or five units just because, right? It doesn't make any sense. So that's the first red flag for people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about on Twitter. Uh, the second red flag, which I mentioned, if they're, if they're advertising that they're 60% or above. Okay, if you're saying you're 65%, I think, oh boy, I don't wanna follow this person. They may win a lot, but they're they're just gonna sit there and, and try and and try and snag some winners every now and then. I want to maximize my return, so it's not good when you see people saying, "Hey, we're 60, 70, 80 percent winners." That's actually not a good thing. Uh, another red flag: if you see people talking in this sort of like vocabulary, "We're the bookie killers," or "We beat the bookies," or like things like that. Again, that's probably some kid who who. They think it looks, you know, good. It looks cool to say something like that. It, it's, it's, it's not. It's funny. It's bad. It's unprofessional. And that's not how winning sports bettors talk. I don't know one person who wins at this who talks like that, right? Not one. And then finally, um, anytime someone makes uh, any side of a bet seem obvious, right? Oh, cash it. Come back to me after the game. Obvious winner. This one's easy. There's no such thing as an easy winner. And if you thought so, and you disrespect the market that much, my guess is you don't win that much because the market needs to be respected. The market's actually pretty efficient. Now it's not super efficient. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do what I do, but it's way more efficient than the average person thinks. So uh, last one there is making one side of a bet seem obvious. Big red flag. All right, that does it for today's show. Appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. Stay tuned tomorrow. We're going to have some picks for Football Friday, some college football, and probably some soccer. A little Premier League for Saturday morning as well. So until then, good luck, whatever you have going on today or tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Sports Betting Daily.